0: Yahoo! announced a security breach affecting upwards of 1 billion user accounts. Cyber attack leaves 145 million eBay users at risk. Target announced up to 110 million customers may have had their identity and financial information compromised. Cyber security breach at Equifax could affect 143 million American consumers. And now your host, Nexus IT Group. Welcome back to another episode of hacked into the minds of cybersecurity leaders brought to you by Nexus IT security group. This is your host Ben hoteling today we are joined by Chris Barnes. Welcome on Chris. Thanks for having me. So everyone knows Chris is the IT director at Howard LLP. He also stands up a cybersecurity advisory unit focused on small and mid sized businesses in the financial services space. Today, we are going to talk about the threat landscape of SMBs and the importance of security for small to mid sized businesses. First thing first, Chris, tell us how you got into IT and cybersecurity and to where you are today.
1: My mom actually worked for a large organization for about 25 years. And, you know, she would bring the computers home. And I remember she had. The company laptop at one point that was the giant zenith that had the green typing on it and it kind of got me started towards that path and I I went away to college after high school and uh, thought I was going to do computer science and they told me I was gonna have to take something up to calculus four or something so uh, I decided that wasn't for me at the time (laughs) and so I walked over to the business department and, and started attempted to do accounting, but ultimately I came back to uh, an interest in computer networking, and so I uh, went to one of the trade schools instead and uh, got their associates in computer networking, and then walked over to another school and went after the bachelors, and then subsequently a uh, an MBA, but. I like networking. I like making things talk to each other. I like putting resources on the network and figuring out why this isn't working or, or how to get a user to connect to something maybe that isn't connecting or whatever it is. And, and I like their re- response after that. But security is something that really interests me because of the intricacies of it and the way that it applies to the business. And I'm I'm a real fan of personal security, I just have that bent. And in the small business space, it was one of those things that was really hard to marry because it was so expensive until a few years ago, at least. And so it was something we had to put on almost on hold. We were still doing your basics, but all the things that are available today were not available then. And over about a three-year process now we've been able to go in and tighten up things we're still working on, but, Tighten up some things for for our firm, and then we're being able. To, we've been able to take the benefits of that and provide those to other small businesses.
0: Let's jump right into you know, learning a little bit more about the threat landscape in the SMB space. What does it look like, and and why is it important?
1: Well, it looks kind of it looks like the Wild West. I think the typical threats are still there. The the main one, obviously, being the email phishing campaigns and and ransomware. I think we've heard that at nauseam now, but it's you know it's true. I think the thing in the small business space, though, that you probably don't see as much in in large organizations is the kind of the requirement to have things so relaxed, I guess you could say, uh, that allows users to kind of do what they want when they want and still trying to be able to control that as best you can.
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, from a business standpoint, what attracted you to diving into this space and you know, focusing on this group of you know, business owners and, and businesses?
1: Well, I think first is the 28 million number. Obviously, we're not going after all 28 million small businesses in America, but just the huge number means that, they're, that that's where all the impact is going to be as far as fighting this cybersecurity war, if you will. Most of the small businesses are just, they, they go in and they're like, you know, we do X, so we're just going to do X. And they're they are not thinking in, in that broad sort of mindset to be able to say, okay, we need to be incorporating things like compliance and security because it affects us, it affects our clients. But in reality, you know, the, the small business is the low hanging fruit. For me, it was really between this company and a larger organization when I chose to come here. You just get such a a freedom to to touch a wide range of things versus ending up pigeonholed and doing your your one activity that you do per day or whatever for years and years and years and then finally you get to move up. This way we get to, you know, have a breadth of knowledge that we have to acquire and then we can take that and we can go and speak to a business owner versus having to wait for uh, a manager who then goes up to you know his boss and then his boss and then ultimately vice president or board or whatever before you can get anything done. And this way, we get to go in and we sit down and we talk to a business owner and show them the risk and help them understand that risk and, and see if we can help them manage it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really curious on your thoughts around this. Why should an SMB be thinking about and investing in a security program? Of course, we know on a broad stroke why, but you know, why the the littlest fish in the pond? You know, why do they need to be thinking about and investing? You know, I imagine don't have too too many funds, so investing those funds you know in a security program.
1: Well, statistically, the smallest fish are the biggest targets one of the things that, that the small business has to you know small business owner has to keep in mind is that is you know they get in the business because they love providing a good or a service for somebody and that's what they want to be able to concentrate on and bring you know basically bring value to other people's lives and if you're out of business you can't do that and right now the way it looks it's not just a big company problem not just from the standpoint of being attacked but even from a standpoint of of government, you know, coming in and and laying the hammer down, you know, you can look up and be out of business.
0: Yeah. So is there a tipping point when a business needs to, you know, start thinking about buying or acquiring some sort of security program? Or at this point, is it really just the cost of entry?
1: I mean, I think it's, it's the cost of doing business in general. Uh, but especially, I think, in this space, where depending on where you fall on that financial spectrum, you've already got regulations to deal with, whether you are uh, regulated by the SEC or not. You know, you you still have various things, whether it's PCI or HIPAA. There's something out there, nine times out of ten, that you're going to have to comply with. While compliance is important, it's only a, a small piece. You need that security aspect to protect you and protect your customers. Yes, about if there if there's a tipping point, and you know I think a lot of people think that if they go in and they just got to go blow through all this money and then they'll be safe. They're gonna spend all this tech money on technology, but in reality, you know, whenever I buy a house, for example, I go in and I can have somebody come in and kind of walk my house with me and tell me, okay, well these are these are kind of your blind spots on the house so maybe you want a camera here or you want glass breaks in the ceiling that it doesn't cost me anything to have somebody come in and help me focus on the the most risky points i guess of business or in, in the example my house it does cost to implement some things but even that today there's pretty much no longer an excuse of cost for a small business you had the vice president from McAfee on a few weeks ago i think and he said there's a lot we can do with technology at this point that can get you to a point of at least having done, taken I guess due care in protecting your clients' information.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, you know, I guess on the idea of cost, I guess let me paint up a, a picture. If you have got you know, an eight-person company, they're doing you know two million in revenue annually yeah I know that there's a lot of outside things going on that um factor in, but do you have an estimated idea on what it could potentially cost a company like that to implement a fairly solid security program with
1: yeah I mean I think that can be done for around a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month hmm.
0: okay
1: now, in the way that that works is obviously you're not you're not hiring inside personnel you're gonna be working with a third party vendor. But just on the security aspect, for that kind of money, you can have somebody who has a SOC, <laughs> you know, they've got their security team in place, and and they're monitoring your network and they're monitoring your endpoints and, and helping you out. You're not going to get policies and procedures necessarily out of that. That's, those are going to be bigger hits. But those are more one-time costs that you can budget for and you can get it done and then you consult with somebody to update that on a yearly basis or, or whatever your regulations may call for uh-huh you
0: know i, I know with your experience at howard you, know, you had been called upon to do really broad range of it um projects and initiatives so you know, in your opinion and your experience at what point for a company is it important to bring on an it professional and how much of that time would be spent focusing on the security?
1: So for us, we've got a small team. And and I think a company, once they hit about 20 to 25 users, depending on the type of firm they are and, and, and what their, their processes are, I think that's a good time to think about bringing someone in. I'm not one of those people who says, hey, just outsource everything to a managed service provider. Because different environments require a different relationship with the person that handles their IT, and even for you know our own clients, you know some of them they'll reach out to you and reach out to you and reach out to you three or four times in five to ten minutes, and there's an expectation that we pretty much lock ourselves into because we do respond very quickly. But in general, when you're looking for somebody that you can have almost as immediate, immediate access to, you're going to want to start bringing them in-house.
0: I want you to help me paint a little bit of a picture in actually building a security program for an SMB. So knowing that in a lot of these small businesses, many people need to wear many hats a lot of these small businesses might not even have someone that is technically capable or interested in all at maintaining any sort of security solutions or technology they want to focus on providing that goods and services so yeah you know, help me in in building a security program are there any specific tools or technologies that should be implemented and you know how can somebody make sure that it's being taken care of by the experts so they can focus on what they want to focus on uh, you know, which is providing that goods and service um, so i know you mentioned cloud-based technology and of course you have your MSPs, but you know, help me build this program. What would it look like?
1: The first thing I do is build the case. We always talk about how security is something that the business needs to define and it kind of is supposed to be a top-down approach. And so the first thing you have to do is make the case to the business owner. And in that case, I usually use a scenario that I learned from a guy named Dave Stelzel. And it's, it's called the house and cloud approach where you go in and you show them what security holistic security means and how it applies and you use the example of a house and you talk about the different components that you would use to protect your your house any house and what it boils down to is your protection detection and response components most companies are already doing the protection piece there are a few that aren't but most have have gone out and they've gotten their firewalls and antiviruses and they're at least at that level So they put their doors and locks and windows on the house. Where most companies fall short is the detection and the response piece. And no one really understands what that means. It's it's not something that you can say, you know, here's this box that you're paying for, and this is what it does like you can with something like a firewall or an antivirus that they see on their machine. But once they get that understanding, then you can start bringing in different Technological components for your detection and response components. And I, I don't want to, I guess, name vendors necessarily, but there are a lot of them out there. So just as examples, there are Carbon Black and CrowdStrike and um, SecureWorks has their piece. Uh, Rapid7 has their piece. And I spent, for us, about a year, almost a year and a half going through vendor after vendor after vendor and and trying to figure out okay who's going to fit you know where do who has these minimums that small businesses just can't overcome at least not the size that we deal with and I know they define it all the way up to 500 employees our clients are way below that threshold so we when you go in and you start working with these vendors the biggest thing is trying to make sure that that they're not selling you a bill of goods one of the things that I had to do largely from uh from a lot of conversations and a lot of demos was figure out, okay, this product is saying it can do X, but my understanding for what this detection component, for example, should be comprised of says that this product falls short of that. And is that shortfall enough to be a deal killer for trying to implement that you know internally or, or with the client? So that's, that's more of the process we go through. And then once we figure out that we can use a product within their environment, we move forward and we, we implement it. And it's, and it's different for, for each client. Some clients are willing to, you know, it's one of those things you get what you pay for and some, uh, some solutions cost a little bit more, some cost a little bit less.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Um, have you done any research into Amazon's new security offering that they just released last couple of weeks?
1: No, not yet. uh, this is my busy time of year. Uh we actually do our security vendor review throughout the second quarter roughly of next year of the year i should say and and then, as we get towards august September, that's when we start making the decision on whether or not we're going to renew contracts or whether we're going to move on to someone else sure uh, so it'll it'll be a little bit before I get there. I know that just through this whole process, one of the things that has made me um a little bit Gun shy about jumping to what the next person offers is that marketing is a great thing. I love it as a discipline, but it's something that everyone picks up on. And next thing you know, you know, everyone's using all the buzzwords and they're telling you they do this, that and the other thing. But a 10 minute conversation with somebody, you know, with their engineer and a few good questions and you find yourself kind of back to the drawing board more often than not
0: seems smart for a, a small business to just hop into public cloud from day one, though it may be a little bit more costly, but they can push down all these patches and really just help maintain that from from scratch. So I just didn't know what your thoughts were to just hopping right into a public cloud based environment and leveraging some of those security solutions really from from day one.
1: I'm all for it <laughs> to the extent that the business supports it. You know, there are a lot of things that you can go ahead and put into that environment, and it works great. As you know, our our main area of focus with the firms that we deal with, particularly the accounting-type firms, they're limited to pretty much three big vendors that run your accounting practice. And and two of the three already have a cloud offering. You can get people to move to that. If, if they haven't already, I'm all for that. And, you know, one of them uses Azure for their environment now. You know, I'm all for that for a for firms. I think the issue for a lot of them though is there are several components that just you can't move you can't move to a SaaS, more SaaS solution with the accounting vendor at least not yet. And until they do, you're left with okay, do I have a server in house that I have to protect? Or do I need to hire somebody with the expertise to move this into and manage it in Amazon or Azure environments? Or do we pay another third party to host this for us? And you still run into the same problem, really, regardless of where you put it. You still need to have that expertise in-house or that expertise in an outsource capacity to be able to manage that for you.
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So back to your point on the marketing piece, what are your thoughts on how a non-technical, a business owner focused on something that's not technology, doesn't have a technical background. How can they get through all that marketing jargon and make sure that they're making the right choice of purchasing a product or a solution for their environment? Seems like a tall task for somebody that doesn't have the expertise like you to ask those you know, penetrating questions to get through that marketing cesspool and in ways.
1: <laughs> well, standard answer is find somebody you trust that does know. Most of the clients we have and then us internally, CPA firm We're we're financial services, we are those advisors to people, right, who cannot navigate in a, in a CPA firm sense, cannot navigate the tax code. That's why they hire our firm to help them do that. And it's the same thing for a small business owner who's like, look, you know, I get it. The big breaches that I see every day on TV now. They're hitting home and I know I'm trying to, to get my business going or keep it going, but I need some help. And that's where you reach out and you find somebody who can act as an advisor, at least as an advisor to you. And when we do that. You know, we have some clients we don't do anything for but advise them. You know, they buy their own stuff, they make their own decisions, and we just kind of give them comparisons of different aspects.
0: Sure. Is that the cost-effective way of going about it, or if you had somebody come in and and actually just build this program? Yeah, I guess what what's more cost-effective in the long run, in your opinion?
1: Well, hopefully, if you can get an advisor that will also help you build it, <laughs> I think that that that's the the best route to go. The issue of cost is still going to be relative. Like you've got to figure out, okay, what's my risk of not doing this? And does it justify the cost as a, I don't know, five man firm, for example, to go with the entire menu that this advisor or consultant is bringing in to me more often than not, you know, if you've got a good advisor, they're going to, they're going to tell you, look, this is what we would like to see you do. But this is kind of the, the bare minimum of what you need to be doing, because when something happens. And you're looking up, and you need to show that you were doing all that you could do with it, even with your limited budget that you were doing it.
0: Some of those challenges I see can be just in the security awareness space, being unaware of what could potentially happen. And when we start start talking about cost, you know, weighing those risks of spending now versus spending later, uh, I, I feel like that's really challenging for somebody that's starting up a new company that you know, doesn't understand or maybe not be as in tune with what's happening or think, hey, that, might, that, yeah, that won't happen to me. We're not as online. We do you know, window cleaning or, or what have you. So you know, what are some suggestions that you have for bringing security awareness to these business leaders so they can, in turn, make the right decision for them, and you start to understand that interesting cost paradigm?
1: Yeah, you actually hit the nail on the head. I think that is the biggest challenge Because there are so many people that even today are still just unaware. There are businesses where, like you said, the window cleaning company, maybe it's not a big deal for them. It's not something that that is is really going to affect them that much. I mean, If they take credit cards, they're probably doing it through a third party anywhere, so where that's taken care of for them. But for companies that we deal with, when we go in, it goes back to making that case that I told you about earlier, and having them understand that a lot of decisions are made are made emotionally and that's why attacks like phishing work so well <laughs> a lot of the times because you you hit that emotional cord with somebody and for a business owner in a higher risk space like finances you know you just let them know i mean your alternative is being out of business what you have to do to to best manage your risk to hopefully keep you from that ultimate end is what's in your best interest and what's in your client's best interest. And once they understand that, then cost and all that sort of stuff, yeah, it's it's got its place. But what I've found is that once people understand that, it's like when you go to the doctor and you get your physical... And the doctor says, eh, well, you might want to you know, change your diet versus going to the doctor, getting your physical, and the doctor says, look, you need to get over to the hospital right now because you've got some aspect of your body that that's going to send you to the hospital anyway. Like you're, you're right on the verge of that heart attack or stroke or whatever, and you rush over there. You're not asking how much it's going to cost. Sure. And when business owners understand that your business – is at stake right now because you're doing nothing, then I think that's what allows you to go ahead and move forward. If you're hopefully an honest consultant, you you go in and and you don't try to oversell them and, and give them a bunch of junk they don't need, but rather you help them protect their business in a way that will allow them to remain in business.
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have any suggestions you know, on a broad stroke of how we can bring more awareness to these young business owners, be it a pamphlet or a regulation, anything like that? You know, what, what can be done, in, in your
1: opinion, to, to start to bring this awareness? I wish I knew of a silver bullet. I can tell you the m- different methods I've used. Uh, you know, I've gone in and tried kind of taking the Wall Street Journal approach. They have they have a couple of business-centric pieces that they release, and the response that I've gotten was, that's really good information, but we trust you to handle that because uh, I don't have time to read it. I-, I think so far, for me, what's been most successful is having that time back when we really embarked on this internally, I scheduled some time with the partners. I scheduled about an hour. And the way I laid out the presentation was such that that turned into a conversation that lasted two hours. And, you know, getting senior management in a room for two hours in pretty much any organization is virtually impossible. So I found that it really does take basically the one-on-one or one-on-many, whatever, discussion. The other component of that is I recently spoke at at a uh, CPA conference, Texas CPA conference, and found that they were very attentive during that, and we got a lot of questions, so much so that we had to not take some and say send them to us via email. And I think that that's the type of communication that has to take place to get business owners to understand, if they can go to an event, that's even better. I've had one person who was in senior management at a firm that all they did was start watching YouTube videos of DefCon, and there was I forget which which uh which presenter it was, but but he was showing them how easy it was to you know break into something or whatever it was, and, and then this person was hooked, and so they started listening, 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 and next thing you know, we're having conversation after conversation about security and its importance the point that, you know, again, cost is something you obviously want to be aware of and make sure that you take care to keep as as low as is possible, but it wasn't the number one issue anymore.
0: Sure, sure. Do you think that security at this point is more of a business focus or a, a technology
1: capacity? It should be a business focus, but I think at the end of the day, we still largely live in a business environment that assumes it's a technical problem. Yep. So if, you, if you've got someone that's in IT or whatever, and that's all they do, they expect that the guy who adds printers and rolls out servers is also the one who should be dealing with security of the entire organization. And I think that's a recipe for disaster for a lot of firms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can just imagine conversation, you know, with all the the partners. You know, not a technical conversation. Seems like uh, it would definitely be a a business conversation. It's great that companies are starting to have that, and individuals at the partner level are going to have some interest in, in hearing what what's going on and what needs to be discussed.
1: Yeah, you have to. I'm sure everyone has experienced this at one point or another, even if it's just kind of at a family gathering where somebody knows that you do something in IT, so they assume you do everything that relates to technology and they ask you a technology question. And if you have the answer for it, the minute you start talking, especially when it hits technical tone, their eyes glaze over. Yep. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us. I think they're in this space to learn how to speak business ease, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and speak to them in, in plain English.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So moving forward, looking ahead in, in 2018, do you think that the you know, security solutions in the SMB space is going to continue to grow? Or you know, what's your general forecast on that market?
1: Yeah, I think they are because you know, there are only so many large organizations that you can make your money off of. <laughs> and, uh, and I think vendors have realized that. So, you know, at one point there were various firewalls that you could only get if you're willing to spend 20 grand. Now they have offerings for the small business space. There are other technologies that even even as little as five years ago that if I spoke to them on the phone, you know, they immediately said, Well, we have a one thousand user minimum. Now they're like, Oh no, we can do ten. You know, so, I mean, I think it's it's coming. It's going to have to, because that's where all the money is, so to speak. And these bigger organizations, when they're enforcing security throughout their supply chain, when they're going down to these small organizations and they're requiring them to meet a certain level of, of compliance for them, they've got to have the solutions to be able to do that. And I think that the the smart vendors are aware of that and they will supply and meet that need.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Let's hop into overrated, underrated. Fantastic insight on the SMB spade. Let's finish off with overrated, underrated. Got a couple good ones here for you. First one, in you know, essence of the holidays, what are your thoughts on the security risks that are presented with home assistants like Alexa or Google Home?
1: Is that overrated can- or underrated?
0: All the hype around that.
1: Uh, I think it's properly rated. I think I heard you say that once. And here's the thing, you know, it was it wasn't that long ago that the TVs came out and they had the cameras on them and everything, and and people were told they were crazy for thinking that someone would be listening in, and then it came out that someone was listening in and watching. So I think that with everything new that comes out, I think there needs to be a proper sense of of skepticism. But, you know, if you're going to do it, just kind of be aware that, that it's a possibility because it's the same possibility you have with your cell phone and everyone has those. So,
0: Sure. Okay. So any thoughts on what you can do to you know mitigate some of those risks or are you just putting yourself at risk by owning an Alexa?
1: Well, you know, largely my view on it has been you can put something like a firewall in your house that's a lot better than what what you're getting without it. And hope that helps. But if it's something that's inherent within the gadget, whatever it is, then you're pretty much at the mercy of the manufacturer. So whether it's Alexa or whether it's your refrigerator, until they figure out how to update these things properly and how, in some cases, to potentially tell the government, no, we're not going to allow you to have access to this device. I mean, you're just going to have to weigh the risk with it and decide whether or not you want to have that risk in your home.
0: Okay, next one. I think I know the answer to this already, but we're going to ask it. The importance of security programs for a small business is that overrated or underrated these days?
1: Underrated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not just because I, I traffic in this space, but you know, I really do think uh, that it's the front lines. And as has already been proven, the lowest hanging fruit is what is getting the majority of the attack. So if those low hanging fruit environments can be shored up a little bit better, then it will at least hopefully provide some enough resistance to where we can start to make some significant progress, at least on, on this side, because it seems like just like in previous years or whatever, where, where you always heard that the bad guys were always two steps ahead. And it just seems like that's, still the case in the cyber world you know but a lot of it seems to be also because we're unnecessarily more vulnerable than we should be and obviously it doesn't mean that all these small businesses are suddenly going to become the fort Knox of the internet big companies that should have already had that title have been broken into so i understand that but i think that anything we can do to give ourselves a better position is what should be done gotcha okay
0: Last one, and then we will let you go overrated or underrated, building back doors into
1: applications mm. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I will say underrated in the sense that it is it should be a a big deal to everyone that it's being done or has been done because it shouldn't be done. you know I think that security and it, it is one of those things that you can't really make exceptions for as far as when you're building a product or whatever. And I don't, I don't really care what the rationale is for why we need to have a back door, but I don't think they should be there.
0: Yep. Well, Hey, great insight. It's been fantastic speaking with you, Chris. Likewise. Thanks for having me.
1: We want to thank everyone for listening to today's podcast brought to you by Nexus IT Group. If you're looking for a new career challenge, let's chat. If you're looking to hire new talent, reach out. Or if you just want to talk about cybersecurity, email us at info at nexusitgroup.com. Until next time, stay safe and stay secure.